0: Coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchiecki Studios, this is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Very pleasant welcome to the Nasser Alexander Kuchiecki Studios to another episode of The Right Hash, our first host NFL Sunday show here on the right hash. And we've got a special guest with us here, Luke, Ned Carney, Alex Thompson, in his first show as a 30 year old. Uh, I won't, I won't harp too much on that because 30 has been Oops. hard on me, but, um, but definitely want to acknowledge that milestone. And we've got Mike Barlow with us for the first time here in the second season, Georgia taking on South Carolina at noon on Saturday. Uh, fantasy football is alive and well. Um, that's what we're going to be starting off with here, but Mike, welcome. You are, you're one of uh, the most zealous fantasy football players in right Ashland. Um, we're going to be hitting on that and, uh, talking, talking a lot, a little bit about the Gamecocks, but uh, thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, yeah, guys. Thanks for having me back. Um, it's been a, it's been a great year and I'm, I'm glad to be here with you guys.
0: How many fantasy championships do you have? Have you um, won the league?
1: Te- technically I, <clears throat> I won one before we started keeping track. Okay. Uh, before it got serious. I've I been like in I know playoffs. I know like
0: I know you've I know you've like been in finals and make playoff runs, I was which I have never done. So
1: so oh, he, he's the bridesmaid, never the bride. He's like the <laughs> Service Academy
0: It's a story tradition with not much recent
2: success.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which
0: one though? Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard? I mean they're not D one, but
2: whichever one had a championship that we don't count really anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Navy?
0: Or, I think maybe won some.
2: Didn't hey, back win one?
0: Maybe it's like in the Super Bowl era in the NFL. Like there's there's NFL championships of which the Browns have plenty, but they don't have a Super Bowl, so it's like, what if they really won?
2: Yeah, if you haven't won since Johnny Unitas played, it doesn't count. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyway, we'll start. We'll start right here uh, in in the fantasy league, and we're starting with the matchup here in week two because the two men on the show with me face off against each other. This is the right hash league, which we talked about uh, the draft last week. I take on Connor Lilly, who Mike played in the first round um, or in the first week, I should say, but this, this is great right off the bat, getting, getting two, uh two of the, the OGs matched up in the, in, in the fantasy league.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm hoping to get a fantasy win at some point this week. I lost all four of my leagues. Somehow I, I, you almost have to try to lose four fantasy leagues. Um, but I, I i managed uh and going up against mike this week he scored the most in the league last week so right now he is atop the leaderboard with 162 points last week um i'm not even sure if i eclipsed half of that um it was a a, a rough re a rough week all the way around for for my fantasy teams but i have hope on the horizon we don't overreact to week one some things are just some things are fluky you know so don't overreact to fantasy quite yet, guys. Give it a game or two, and then start your overreactions. But looking forward to my matchup with Mike. Uh, Mike, I'm going to hand it straight to you. Uh, off, you know, just talk about your fantasy team a little bit. Who's who's someone that you have on the on the team that maybe you don't have in other leagues that you wanted to target, get part of your team, but maybe didn't feel comfortable getting them in a money league. Um, and also, your favorite player from your fantasy team.
1: Yeah. So. Um- I'll go back to the to the actual draft itself. I was I was talking with you, Alex. Um, I had the I believe the fourth spot, and I was faced with the decision: Dalvin Cook or Justin Jefferson. Um, I have Dalvin or I have uh, Dalvin Cook in a lot of leagues, um, so I kind of was trying out the, the whole J- Justin Jefferson train. And you know, we were talking about it, and that's when he fell into what I believe the the tenth pick, and so whoever had the tenth spot ended up getting uh, Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Yeah, so, insane. Um, I was a little little worried about that when that happened, but um, honestly, everybody came to play. Um, I was a little disappointed. Um, I have Cortland Sutton. He had a he had an okay week. Uh, of course, Jerry Judy got the touchdown yesterday, and uh, it was also kind of a uh, kind of a weird weird game for Russell Wilson. I think um, you know I definitely had hit, taken the over at, at more than uh, more than one touchdown, but uh, obviously couldn't do that and kind of hindered me a little bit. Uh, but probably my favorite player on the team, I'd, I'd probably have to go with DeAndre Swift. I wasn't able to get him in a lot of leaks, and uh, I was able to pick him up, and you know, he he did work this past week.
2: Yeah, and he would have done even more work if he hadn't got vultured by Jamal Williams, not once, exactly. but twice. Um, I, was... I, I saw an interesting stat today. Um, in, in that game uh, was the highest yards before contact in the NFL of week one, the lions on average had 9.6 yards before contact on every carry on average, which I mean, you're talking about getting a first down before anyone touches you on average. How do you lose a football game? Averaging a first down that way.
1: He just, I I don't know. I I think that Deandre Swift is, is RB one this year. I mean, he just looks amazing. Just, while, just watching that game, watching him run, I mean, the dude is electric.
2: Yeah, he's got a lot, a lot of potential. That was against a, a fairly good Philadelphia Eagles team. Um, I think maybe they're just a tad young for them to be at their full strength, but still against a good defense nonetheless. Um, just looking at your team here, I, I like everything that you have in, in your starting lineup. Um The only thing, I guess, the only nitpick thing I could say is uh, you're a bit Bronco heavy, um, especially if they're going to continue playing like they did last night against not a particularly great Seattle Seahawks defense. Um, Of course, it's a a tough place to play um, in Seattle, uh, especially if you're Russell Wilson under the circumstances last night. But, um, uh, you know, other than that, other than just being a little bit Bronco heavy, which has worked in past leagues when Peyton Manning was on the team, so I'm not saying it won't work here. Uh, Justin Jefferson might make any uh, potential issue uh, irrelevant if he keeps playing like this. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure what Green Bay was doing in the first half, but he's like standing on the sideline by himself wide open like he's not even in the play uh, two times before they even decided, hey, let's cover Justin Jefferson. So, um, yeah, that that should be a really interesting uh, matchup for us this week. You're projected to win, but I don't have a defense uh, in at the moment. So, That one should go down to the wire if everyone hits around their projections. Um, Luke, what are you looking like for your matchup with Connor?
0: Yeah, well, I was behind the eight ball in week one, not making excuses, but um, I did get the unfortunate news that George Kittle was not going to play. and He's just one of my fantasy mainstays. (laughs) So I put in Irv Smith, who posted the donut. Uh, That was a bummer. I lost by 10 points to the big Gronkowski, and if Russell Wilson had Thrown some touchdowns instead of his team settling for field goals, both in the red zone and out, um, and fumbling the fucking football. I probably would have won, but um, you know, credit to the big Gronkowski. They 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 did what they needed to do uh, to get to one zero, and I got some regrouping to do. But I'm taking on Connor Lilly, uh, who who Mike played in the first first week. Uh, I've got a couple injuries otherwise to deal with. Najee Harris and Harrison Bucker. Uh, Najee Harris looks like he's gonna be good to go. Um, so, yeah. I think I'm going to keep him in there. I've got George Pickens at wide receiver, who I might maybe throw in there in place of, I don't know, Darnell Mooney this week just to give him a look. Um, Darnell Mo- Mooney is taking on the Packers on on uh, Sunday Night Football, um, while Pickens is playing a uh, New England team that got picked apart. So, no, no pun intended. <clears throat> um what were you, you ask gotta, there? You, you
2: got to play Christian Kirk, man.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I it just I don't know why it's the, my first two weeks. You know, I'm kind of approaching it like, you know, like yeah. a a preseason-ish type type look, where I, I'm seeing what I've got. Who's going to play well? I've got studs. You know, I've got my dudes in Devonte Adams and AJ Brown uh, that that are, are going to be in the lineup every week. Um, but you know, I'm going to be changing up the lineup. It, it's only Tuesday. Uh, I've got until Thursday. Well, really Sunday, because I don't think I've got anybody except for Butker going on Thursday. So I need to figure out the kicker. But um, I'm going to be working some different guys into the lineup. Looking at Connor though. I'm worried about his wide receivers because he's got Stefan Diggs and Terry McLaurin, um, and both of those guys had big week ones. I, well, ter- you know, Terry didn't have a ton of catches, but he did have double-digit points with the touchdown. Uh, but big question mark for Connor with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. Um, playing against the Falcons is a little bit easier than playing against the Bills, but but still that, that elbow has raised some yeah. questions, and and you know, the Rams looked really, really bad in week one.
2: Yeah, you've got Hercules on the bench too, who I think is going to be uh, infinitely better play than Matt Stafford probably throughout this entire year, um, just with with what Kirk Cousins has. Uh, that that should be a really close matchup. I'm looking for the, uh, I'm actually looking for the projections on that one real quick. Um, you have, uh, it, it's pretty it's pretty close. Um, I, Connor's favored by twelve right now, but his his whole, his basically his whole team just sucked a duck last week and. Uh, scored about half of what mike scored um in in one week so that that should be a really interesting one another one of those you know really good friend rivalry things um mike I, I, i did i did this with nicole last week but i i put a beer on on our game so i owe nicole a beer um how do you feel about making a drink bet on on our matchup live on air
1: yeah, I'm I'm down for that. Um, I mean, I have I have no doubt in my team. Uh, this is actually probably one of my favorite teams. I think in all my leagues, and it's a free league. Like, I, I think it kind of just figures into that way. But it, but yeah, I'm definitely down for that.
2: All right, all right. I, I I as well like mine. The only thing that I hate is kickers, and Sunday Sunday really really shown the light on why I Mike Barlow I know who does as well hate the existence of kickers in fantasy, somewhat in the sport, but. Um, I, I I guess I guess they're needed for some for some reason. So uh, I've got Tyler Bash, you got Daniel Carlson, two of the two of the better kickers in the league. Uh the matchup probably comes down to stuff like that. Kickers at, at this point, especially when we're so we're so close on our matchup. Um
0: and the commanders I, play against the Lions. I just have to interject. So I, I did I talked a little shit this morning yeah, on yeah, Twitter. I saw that. So me and Connor really have two games this weekend. We're we're probably if we do put something on it, it'll probably just be on the fantasy game. Cause who, who wants to put money on either the lions or the commanders? Like who, uh, speaking, wants, speaking, who would do that?
2: Speaking of, I, I still owe you $4 and 20 cents um, uh, from, yes. from our bet, which you, you just shot to me at the last moment. And it's something that we would do with, uh I would do with Nasser whenever we had a, a type of matchup like that. Like when we went to the one in Jacksonville a couple years ago, um, we had a four twenty bet on that one as well. So, uh, as, as per tradition, um, I'll get that over to you shortly here after the show so that you can um, pay your rent. Uh,
0: <laughs> if I just, just hold on to it for a year and then UVA plays Tennessee.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, stash, stash that away, gain some interest. You'll have about four twenty-four this time next year. Uh, <laughs> four cents a profit, even if you lose. So, I mean, who says no to that in this economy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely. I need, just... I need to win, though.
0: I need to win my my damn fantasy game. I can't start 0 2.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I, I'm going to foregone conclusion. I'm going to start half my leagues, at least 0 2. Um, but I'm just hoping to pick up a win where I can uh, this week. And if it's over Mike, that will be even sweeter, even though it's the only free league that I'm in. I'm just looking for a dub at this point. Um, I, a lot of fun in fantasy this week, although I, I'll admit, week one. I almost don't look at my fantasy matchup. I am so um, deeply involved in just the mayhem of sports going on around us. Uh, We're at at the bar JD's Tavern. They had all the games on except for the Colts and Texans because no one really wanted to watch that. Um, So every other game was on in the bar. And watching those two games come down to 2020 there at the end, not going to get too much into the, to the NFL talk, but I was way more interested in watching the football than watching my fantasy team um, over the top. But after this first week, week two, week three go by, I, I will be keeping a very close eye on all of my leagues uh, during during the days.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum off ad nauseum, not ad nauseum, I know how to speak. Uh, but we've talked about this a lot off air, um, like we are essentially like yin and yang of how we follow each level of football. Like, so on Sunday, I was basically doing what you were doing on Saturday with the Tennessee pit game. Like I, I basically turned, do not disturb on, didn't really get on social media and watch, just watch the, the commanders Jaguars game as, as football is supposed to be watched. And, and that was really great. But I'm, I'm on Saturdays. I'm likely to be spending that somewhere at like JD's tavern, watching a million games at once, because despite my degree from NC State, you know, it's just kind of like I'd rather watch everything than, than pin myself down to one game for three hours on a Saturday.
2: Yeah, I, I hear you, and I, I did catch some of your tweets, which we're we're going to talk about in our NFL segment later. Um, that during during the Commanders Jaguars game, because I, I I do have a bone to pick, but that bone shall be picked a little bit later. Oh, uh, right. uh, one question I do have for Mike: What kind of finishing up the the fantasy segment here? Is there anyone on your right hash team or any teams in your in your portfolio, I guess you call things shares of players, anything in your portfolio, that you already regret drafting this player, you already know it's not going to work out, you used maybe a little bit too much draft capital on someone, um, is there any player or players like that for you across your leagues?
1: Um, probably the biggest one for me right now is Mike Williams, and it figures that a former Clemson Tiger... Would find a way to mess with my fantasy teams. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's again. You know, don't overreact to week one, but I think he was like two for four uh, on Sunday, and I mean that—that's one of my big receivers in uh, one of my leagues, and I mean that—that that hurt. Uh, that hurt a lot, so I, I was not happy about that, and I'm already starting to regret drafting a Clemson player.
2: And it was so strange too because. Keenan Allen went out relatively early. You would have thought that would have bumped his targets up, but um, it, it really didn't. The the uh, DeAndre Carter guy really seemed to to get the get the call um, for the pass tar- passing targets and a little bit of uh, Eckler and Josh Kelly in their backfield. But I I have Mike Williams in a couple of leagues as well, and I was really surprised. Um, before Keenan Allen went out, I was surprised, but after Keenan Allen went out, I was flat out flabbergasted that he wasn't getting more volume from Herbert.
1: And I think you know, I, I definitely think this week was a little fluky. I mean, we saw a lot of a lot of big stars not score or beat projections. Um, so you know, I'm I'm chalking that up just to, to, to week one jitters. That's all it is. Um, I think I think a lot of these guys are going to bounce back week two, and uh, you know, correct the ship.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Chargers still won, so at the end of the day, their strategy worked out, but um, I'm sure it got a lot closer than they had expected it to after the first uh, first quarter or two. Um, but anyway, as the horn blows on quarter one uh, for fantasy, anything else you guys want to mention before we move on?
0: I was just saying, DeAndre Carter had a pretty good year with Washington last year with Taylor Heineke throwing him the ball, so I expect better numbers with Justin Herbert. Yeah, is he a former dog no, he went to Sacramento State.
2: <clears throat> okay, I, I, when I see his name, I think I transposed DeAndre Swift there. Um, yeah, or DeAndre
0: Baker, the old cornerback who got into trouble,
2: or and Lorenzo Carter, who was uh, also a, a, a dog. Um, yeah. So a familiar name. Anyway, <laughs> um, so as the horn blows, we're gonna move on into something maybe a little bit more near and dear to to Mike's heart. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk to South Carolina Gamecocks and uh, coming off of a interesting game, I guess to say the least against Arkansas. There was some good. There was some what the hell, uh, which is, I mean I guess is to be expected with a lot of the newness still in the program. But um, Mike, just just out of the gates, what is your feeling on Spencer Rattler so far, or as I have dubbed him, Patrick Mahomeless?
1: <laughs> I mean, I th- I think right now it's it's a little bit too early to overreact. Um, I, I chalk a lot of it up to the the terrible O line play mm-hmm. and the bad call playing for Marcus Satterfield. Um, you know, I if you you go back and watch, I mean, he's got he's got a lot of zip on the ball, and I think that he's probably the best talent at quarterback that we've had since Stephen Garcia. Uh, so you know, I, I'm not I'm not calling for him to be benched at this point. Um, I mean, I know we're going to have a tough tough matchup this week, um, but you know, then we get into to Charlotte and South Carolina State. You know, some easier games. Hopefully, he'll he'll get into a rhythm. You know, we saw during the Arkansas game he he missed a couple of receivers just you know by a step. Um, and you know, I think if you know a couple more weeks, get some a little bit more chemistry under their belts, and who knows by mid be a whole, whole, entire different
2: team. Yeah, you, you. I guess you see pretty much the same stuff I did, um, except for I, I saw this stuff happening at Oklahoma too, which is why I, along with I think the rest of the SEC fan bases, were really confused outside of just his hype coming out of high school as to why he was being predicted to have the year that he was going to have. Um, I think everyone knew the roster issues that South Carolina had, plus. This guy didn't look any better against Big Twelve teams with, uh, and he had better weapons at, at Oklahoma. So I, I think that there was way too much hype on him initially, just expecting him to be this Heisman Trophy quarterback. Game one at South Carolina, I mean, see them struggle mightily with Georgia State. Kind of came on in the second half thanks to the Beamer ball. But uh, Arkansas game, I thought it had some promise in there. The a big issue that I've had, I guess, with Shane Beamer is his teams dig themselves in the holes way too fast and can't get out of them. It seems like they have pretty decent second halves and make some okay halftime adjustments, start playing a little bit better. Um, but they, they get down, you know, 14 nothing before you blink and it's like, okay, there goes the gameplay and we had to do something completely different. Um, if he can get his accuracy issues down, which he has certainly uh, displayed the first two weeks, I think he could be a a decent quarterback in this league. Uh, he's certainly not the worst quarterback in the league, I don't think. Um, has more touchdown passes already than Anthony Richardson, so there's something to be said there. Um, but he, it, it's it's interesting because you you don't want to blame Spencer Rattler for everything because you know how bad the roster is, but there are things that he's done that it's like, okay, dude, you still should have performed better in this instance. Um, so I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, a question I wanted to ask you in terms of the uh the, the beamer press conference after the game i'm sure you've seen it making its rounds but uh his response to uh the reporter asking him about the arkansas players um and h- how he evaluated them uh rubbed me the wrong way just kind of how he asked it i uh, could have been just his uh you know most of the coaches at of at this level are not good losers they don't deal with that stuff well so maybe it's some something of that nature but uh, I per- I personally did not get a lot of uh, faith in him to be able to succeed in this league if he's already cracking under pressure like that. I just wanted to get kind of your take. What is South Carolina fans saying about that particular instance? How do you guys feel about Beamer? You know, sitting here game two of year two.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as the fan base goes, everybody's still you know pretty much in love with them. I mean, I I do think that part of it is is probably still this honeymoon period. Um, I mean. I think that I think that the guy has a lot of poise. I think he just you know, that was one moment where I mean we just came off of a pretty pretty nasty loss. Um, you know, I think that and, and the guy's a passionate guy. I think that I think honestly he's just tired of hearing it and hot tired of hearing kind of the uh everybody question him. Um I I feel like the the media doesn't give him enough um, I don't want to say credit, but but you know, they, they don't have him or they don't give him as much of a leash. And you know, I know that he's you know, a second year head coach now and he hasn't really earned that yet. But I think that, that he's starting to just get kind of fed up with that, and he just, he's ready to to prove it on the on the gridiron. So we're just, at this point, it's really just a wait-and-see kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, he won co-coach of the year with Josh Heupel last year, so I think the media has given him enough credit for, for what he's done. I mean, his career achievement so far has been getting doused in Dukes-Mayo um, and has looked – I mean, the, I, I guess maybe his big achievement at South Carolina was landing – uh, Rattler and Stogner, which were, were big additions for the program. Um, arguably, arguably, in my opinion, the most pivotal player to ever step foot on campus. Because if things go wrong, uh, Beamer's done and it's going to be really, really hard to sell Columbia to other big time guys. If he does well, the exact opposite's true. Um, and it becomes way easier to sell guys on coming to play in a stadium right outside a gravel lot. Um, and I mean, the w- the Willie B environment is nothing like it looks like on the outside. Like if you're walking up to the stadium, you're like, okay, why am I at the fair? But you get inside and you get into the environment and it's, it's a whole different thing. It's an SEC stadium, but looks can be deceiving with that. I, I'm interested to see how he progresses because we, we also have a first year head coach or second year head coach who I would say had a lot more hill to climb um, than Beamer did and seems to have gotten over the hill a little bit faster. So I think that's also something working against Beamer. It's kind of like the Andrew Luck RG3 thing when they both came out. Okay, now we're comparing both of these guys together. If one gets ahead of the other, the other one looks like a bust, even though he might be on track just because another guy's ahead of schedule. Um, so I I think he does need to do a little bit more. Um, well. It, it's, it's hard to say. I, I I don't know if he should be doing a little bit more just where he is. It's, it's a tricky, tricky situation. Um, I have a but question. It's, go for it. Uh,
0: how, how does see what you described the Williams Bryce stadium atmosphere? How does that compare to Carter Finley? Because what I, when I, what you described also, a lot of that applies to, to Carter Finley stadium uh, on a smaller scale, you know, Willie B is like, I think 30,000 seats more, uh, but you're also in the middle of the, of a field. It doesn't really strike you as a big college football environment. So how, how is it like? Is it like like at a state fairgrounds or something like like Carter yeah. Finley is uh, oh, almost like literally met at the fair. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. You're. <laughs> it's literally right next to the state fair. Okay. Um. It's okay. you know. It's it's not. It's not a bad look. It actually is pretty similar to NC State. Um. We went for a noon game. So my take on the tailgating, I I can't tell you good or bad because we went. The one time I've been was for a noon kickoff. Um, and that's just, that's never going to be the best, uh, display of tailgating a university has. So, um, t- to me, the tailgating at States better, but that's just because I've seen night tailgates there. Uh, the w- Williams Bryce is perfectly fine. I-, I would say that's actually a really good comparison. I hadn't thought about that. What do you say, Mike, you've been to both as well.
1: Yes. I mean, I'll say this. The the last time that you and I went, I mean, that was almost what, 10 years ago now. So they've added yep. a lot of stuff. I mean, the
2: Tyler Bray was the quarterback. Right? <laughs> so <Love that> guy.
1: <laughs> so um, a couple years ago, you know, we got a, a bunch of boosters to, to chip in we got a brand new uh, indoor facility and the area in between the indoor facility and Williams Bryce um, is called Gamecock park. And that's where they do the game, the Gamecock walk now. And on game day, they open it up to, to everybody. Um, they've got a bunch of different vendors, tents, uh, food, alcohol. Uh, the band comes in there and it gets packed. And and that honestly has been the best aspect that they've added probably in the last five years. I um, I was down there for, for four games last season, um, went to Gamecock walk every time. And just the, the whole entire atmosphere and, and a lot of it had to do with, with Beamer and, and Beamer ball that, that he's not going on there now, but the atmosphere was just completely different. Um, I mean, I think the tailgates have gotten better from, you know, the, the years past. Um, But the fair and they, they opened up the fairground lots. That's all, that's all tailgating now uh, as well. So, you know, it's not like you're just walking through a gravel lot. You're walking through, through tailgates to get to games. So.
2: Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, admittedly just something we didn't get to experience that particular game because of when it kicked off. But I, I I remember so vividly kind of walking through the, the tailgating to butch right up next to the stadium and this bus pulls in and just Steve Spurrier walks off the bus. I'm like, there's, there's nobody. Wait, they're doing the Gamecock walk right now. There's nobody here. Um, So it it sounds like there has been in the last decade, more interest in the program. And that has uh, been a catalyst for upgrading some of the game day, uh, the pregame, I guess, aspects, because the, the, the game day, once you get inside there, it's, it's, so different from the outside, at least from what I remember. It is just a different vibe. It is, It feels like you're just in a a hostile SEC environment, like you're supposed to feel. Um, but uh, before we get done here with, with this particular quarter, uh, I do want to get a chance to talk about the game this weekend. Uh, South Carolina coming up against Georgia. Georgia, not the sexiest win against Samford, as you would hope uh last week but a shutout's a shutout 33 points is 33 points um what they did against oregon looks criminal uh i don't know what they're going to do to spencer rattler or um or that or you know just that, that offensive line is in for a really 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 long day um but what are what are your thoughts around the georgia game what what are your expectations what do you want to see out of your squad following up the arkansas game
1: yeah, I mean, I I just want to get points on the board early. I want to be aggressive. Um, I don't want them to to come in there and just completely blow us out of the water. Um, I mean, I, I'm really annoyed that it's a noon kickoff, um, especially when somehow we got Charlotte the next week at 7:30. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that is what that is what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to stay competitive. Um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna hurt. We have uh, a Moca- Mo Kaba and a um, Jordan Stretch and they're both out uh, with ACL injuries, so they're done for the year. And then it looks like we have, we potentially have five starters that are going to be out, um, four on defense, one on offense. Um, so, you know, I, I would say that our best uh, our best position on the field were our defensive backs last year, especially towards the end. And you know, now we're basically going to be starting more than likely a couple of freshmen, maybe some sophomores. Um, at DB. So I am really scared for our secondary um going into to Saturday.
0: I'm glad yeah, it's I, a noon kickoff because that means I'll be <laughs> get out of work at around six o'clock and I can watch football the rest of the night.
2: <laughs> Mike, for, for the folks out there, you mentioned who's gonna be out. Um me personally, I, I haven't watched both South Carolina games like intently, but I've watched the I've watched both of them. Um and a couple of guys that stick out to me I think are probably the ones that stick out to everybody, but Marshawn Lloyd looks like a really, really, really good running back. Jaheem Bell is a force to reckon with. That guy is impossible to tackle in open space. Um, when he's
1: catching passes and not that, running the ball.
2: Yeah, ca- caveat, but um, uh, it, it was interesting to see him get some some carries out of the backfield. I, I didn't know that they were planning on doing that. Um, I, I do like – a receipt, your receiver duo and Josh Vanden to carry on Joyner. Um, I just think they, that it's so hard for those guys to get better. Cause they're already, you know, fifth year guys, redshirt senior type type players. But I think they're, I think, I think they're perfectly capable of, of giving Spencer Rattler something to work with. We've seen those guys streaming wide open downfield, a couple of, of games. Um, and then I really like Jordan Birch. He, he looks like the five-star that he was coming out of high school. Um, very noticeable on tape and in live film film. Um, who, who, those guys included, who else should we be looking out for during this Georgia game to potentially make an impact?
1: Uh, one name and that's, that's Juice Wells. Um, he, he's, he's a freshman wide receiver. Um, he caught that touch, touchdown from a rattler last week. And I mean, that kid is electric. Um, he definitely looks all of, all of every bit of the hype that he had coming out of high school. Um. And I was, I'm definitely glad for that pickup because um, watching him last weekend, it was it was amazing.
2: Uh, I want your take on this, but it, it's not to call him call him out because it's still his second game here. But I, I haven't seen out of Austin Stogner what I thought I was going to see out of Austin Stogner.
1: I, I agree with that, and actually, um, this last game, I mean, it, I mean, it looked like he he had no speed at all, and he's just a you know this this big tree just walking around the field. Um, I was actually I was actually really annoyed with his performance this last week. Um, just not not something that I expected at all, especially with the supposed chemistry that he has with Spencer.
2: Yeah, ex- exactly. That's kind of what I was thinking as well. Um, we haven't really seen him throw it too much to Stogner, and when he has, he's just he almost runs like he's in quicksand. He doesn't seem to move up the field uh, as well as he was at Oklahoma. So I'm interested to see if he gets. Um, it, you know, gets it in gear. Maybe this is just a a slow start, so to speak. But in the SEC, it doesn't get any easier. As he's going to find out this weekend, it does not get easier to to, to get time. Um, Luke, before we hop from this topic, uh, what are you what are you looking for from the dogs in this particular matchup? Given you know a, a nice shutout win last week, but. Uh, you listen to Kirby Smart. You listen to a couple of the players, some of the coaches. There's a lot that they needed to work on and did not go particularly right in that game. They get another noon start to back it up. Those are sometimes difficult for the the favorites. Um, what are you looking for in this
0: matchup? I'm looking for Georgia to finish drives. They drove into the uh, into the red zone, I think four times against Sanford and didn't finish, uh, settling for field goals. And you know, good for Jack mm-hmm. Lesney but. Like, and if this was against an SEC opponent, that more than likely would have come back to bite them. Um, Mm -hmm. But looking, playing against Sanford, you know, they probably could have scored 60 or 70 points. Um, Kirby Smart was actually an assistant under Sanford's coach, uh, whose name escapes me right now, uh, Chris something. Uh, But he, so it was, it was kind of a, we're going to call off the dogs as soon as we we possibly can type thing, Um, which, you know, does isn't going to tell us anything about Georgia as a team, uh, but on the defensive side of the ball, I am uh, looking at Georgia's secondary and the, their their experience there. But their best player to this point has been a freshman safety, Malachi Starks, uh, who had an interception against Oregon and eight tackles. Um, and when you've got names like Keely Ringo, Chris Smith, who also had an interception against or- uh, Oregon, you've got uh, you've got big shoes to like to to put on and join that that you know that that position group. Um, so I'm looking for for a good play out of him. Georgia's back seven, um, but also I think it's get, most importantly they're going to have to score touchdowns on the road in a conference game. You can't kick four field goals uh, in games where you drive you drive in inside the 20 yard line and expect yeah. to have success. So that that's going to have to be cleaned up. And I think that's the primary reason Kirby Smart was upset with last week's game.
2: Yeah, and the, you know the strangest thing to say, you know, that I'm not, not taking a shot at South Carolina. It's just a fact of the matter of where it is to to get to this point, third game in the season, and South Carolina to be, I, I think, the best offense they they're, they're going to have faced so far. Um, I think that's going to give us a little bit more of an idea of how they actually are doing with replacing all that talent that they lost in the draft. Of course, they've got kind of like Bama where they, they don't recruit, they draft, they get the guys that they want on defense, implement them, develop them uh, and send them on their way. I I don't have any uh, uh, lack of faith. I don't have lack of faith in Georgia's defense, but the, the question for them is, can it be the defense of last year or is it just going to be a really good defense? And, that's the difference between winning a national title and just winning the East.
0: Yeah. And watch out for Lad McConkey. He's been lights out the first couple, couple weeks. He's not, he's not the first guy you look at on this Georgia wide receiving core and think, Oh, that guy's going to burn me. (laughs) But, but he's posted the best numbers and the most highlights uh, out of the the last, the first two games, I should say. So uh, look out for King Conk as, as the broadcast team calls him.
2: Who was the, uh, who was the white guy doing it last year? Because number nineteen, what was his Bowers. name? Bowers. Yeah, yeah, Bowers. Yeah, Brock um, Bowers. It, it 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 almost just has like this New England look to it, where I just expect for some reason the white guy to be the better one. Just <laughs> for whatever reason, it doesn't make sense. But in Georgia's offense, the last couple of years, it's always seemed like they have that. Lad McConkie, Brock Bowers type of guy. Of course, Brock Bowers is a tight end, but he's he's more of that pass catching tight end for sure. Right. Yeah, um, Jordan Reed type. <laughs> so um before we let Mike go, uh, Mike, thanks for joining us today. Want to throw it to you. Is there anything you want to talk about before we before we wrap up this half?
1: Yeah, I'm just uh, probably just mostly looking forward to uh, beating you this week in fantasy football and Luke down the road. So Woo Well,
2: as long as you get one win this week, because it's not going to happen on the gridiron. Um, (laughs) So as as long as fantasy football can make you happy, that's all that matters. Um, Yeah, uh, should be a lot of fun. I hope it's a close race. I I, I like to sweat out uh, a matchup on Monday Night Football. That's always the best. That's always how you know you're in midseason form in fantasy football. When you're sitting there, you're down about 15. You've got a defense going and you're like, can I do this? Um,
0: yeah, that was me. I needed Russell Wilson to outscore Brandon McManus by like 13 points, which is not uh, the word the you know not unfeasible, but it didn't happen last night.
2: Interesting, interesting. <laughs> that, that that was such a weird game last night, Mike. You'll catch the uh, the, the notes on that on the episode when we release it. Um, but thanks so much for joining us today, Mike. Uh, giving us your insight into the South Carolina football program. Um, hope to have you on here for uh the preview of the Tennessee South Carolina game interested to see how those teams uh pr- progress to that point as we don't play until the middle of November so we've got basically the whole season between us until we play again so um really interested to see how that one that one turns out and um thanks again for joining it's it's a lot of fun to talk to you on here
1: yeah guys Have thanks door, for man. having me always always love it so
2: all right take care man awesome you With too. that, we'll get Mike out of here and
0: go to halftime. Wow. Halftime here on The Right Hash. Thanks a lot again to Mike Barlow for joining us. I don't really have any halftime activities planned other than the fact that I'm just really happy that football's back in both levels in earnest. Um, even Friday Night Lights, if you're you're into that. Uh, I do miss covering high school football. But, you know, that that Saturday before the first Sunday of games is like kind of like Christmas for me, like we were talking about a few weeks ago. Kind of like, Week zero or week one is for you in college football. So I'm just I just want to say an ode to uh, to the sport here in our our little mini halftime segment.
2: Yeah, we're we're in full swing now. There are more days
0: with football at night than there are not. So good time of year. Yeah, no doubt. Good problem to have with all, all kinds of stuff for us to talk about. And I'll I'll use this opportunity here also at halftime to say uh, if there's anything you want us to talk about. Here on the right hash, anything involving your favorite football team or your fantasy football team or players. If you need any advice, anything like that, uh, you can uh, submit questions or suggestions to us on Twitter at the right hash or email us the right hash at gmail.com. Uh, so we we, 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 we even give fantasy advice if, if you really want it. So if, if you, if you trust us enough, you're having a dilemma. We, we might even help you out if you had a, had something in one of your other leagues or something. Uh, so uh, a free little free advertisement there for uh the right hash think tank of uh, of fantasy football. Yeah, I'm I'm clearly not the guy to ask um, <laughs> after this week, but <laughs> yeah, give I mean give do, me- do it at your own risk.
2: I mean let, let, let me let me settle in and I'll I'll be able to get you some better some better advice.
0: <laughs> we now begin our third quarter and still talking college football here, but we'll we'll branch out from the Georgia South Carolina game. I will have plenty of picks at the end of the third quarter and our NFL picks in the the fourth quarter. Uh, but uh, last week, I mean the, the most exciting game in right hashland was was Tennessee at Pittsburgh uh, going into overtime and I it was a long game, man. I mean, even without overtime, it took almost four hours. Like were, were there a lot of penalties? Were there just like cause it wasn't particularly high scoring?
2: No, just a lot of uh, I, not a lot of penalties. Um, a lot of turnover, a lot of incomplete passes, a couple of reviews. Um, also just the 3:30 the on ABC time slot. They, they, they're like CBS. They tend to let those, uh, those commercials run for an extra 30 oh, seconds or God, so. Than they, <laughs> than they normally do. So, um, you know, that all, all of that, uh, adds up uh, over the course of four hours. But I'll tell you what, as a Tennessee fan, it felt way damn longer than that. Um, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's nice to finally be in a close game with a ranked t- ranked team on the road um as opposed to you know kind of where we've been in the the mishmash of football the last year. I mean take take last year for example, uh losing to Pittsburgh in our own building uh same by the same margin actually by 7 points. Um we go back up there. Maybe that means we win our conference this year since Pittsburgh beat us and won the ACC, maybe that means we win the SEC since we beat them.
0: Oh yeah, way way too early to make that kind of prediction, but but um,
2: we'll I, I, we'll see we'll
0: see I, in, in Athens in Athens later in the season, dogs might have something to say about that.
2: I'll say this: I was uh, the the offense is going to be fine. Um, it just kind of a weird week. Uh, Pittsburgh's got a, a decent defense, especially defensive backs. Um, so a little bit of a matchup uh, uh, issue there, but our defense really came out of nowhere. It, that was supposed to be our weak spot all year. And while, while I fully acknowledge like the fact that they played the second half with a backup quarterback who was hobbled on one leg, um, had some personnel missing, got some guys injured during the game, it, it was supposed to be the side of the ball that Tennessee was not good on. And I'm not saying that they're great based off of that game, but it certainly looked a lot more like a defense than I think anyone expected it to at this point. Um, so that there's there's a lot of optimism on the defensive side of the ball that should we need to, like against Pitt, we may be able to win a game here or there on defense if our offense struggles or just if our offensive game plan has to change. Offense turns it over a lot. We had two special teams turnovers, which didn't help at all. Um, and the defense just really bailed us out of that game.
0: You got a big test this week. Really, really tough, tough opponent in uh, in the Akron Zips, who lived up to their mascot, uh, moved up to their nickname last week in East Lansing, a fifty-two nothing loss to Michigan State. Uh, but but you know then 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 things things get real with uh, I think Florida's after that, right?
2: Yep, Florida three thirty on CBS. Then we have the bye week. Then we go to Death Valley and uh, we have Alabama. So Akron's kind of our our last rest week we, we get Akron then a bye week and then um
0: well welcome to the real world Bert here. <laughs> <laughs> man I uh, I was impressed by by NC State doing what they needed to do against Charleston Southern um obviously that game doesn't that that's kind of a don't take a whole lot from this game because I think it was what was the final like 52 to three or something I, I don't I don't even remember 55 zero uh, I think 55 55- Fifty-five to three, they did kick a. Charles Southern oh, okay. did kick a field goal. They they did okay. that. We don't want to get shut out, so we're gonna we're gonna settle <laughs> for a field goal late right in the fourth quarter instead of going for it. Which, whatever, some coaches do that. I I don't I don't begrudge them for doing it. Um, but in a, you sent that text message to me at the beginning of the uh the beginning of the game saying Devin Leary was overrated. Did and you sent the same text about Hendon Hooker and I didn't te- see the uh I didn't see the Tennessee game closely enough. Did it did it work? did the same uh, hooker that did for Devin Leary uh for, for the most part um he he won the
2: SEC Offensive Player of the Week after that although <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't like the most efficient way that he's done it um but he still ha- hasn't thrown a pick uh through two really really nice balls for touchdowns including the the game winner but we, we got to the goal line twice and handed it off so uh two touchdowns that you know he could have could have taken uh just handed it up the middle uh i, I thought he turned his, the game around after the first two or three drives which is when i texted you was on the first two or three drives so the uh the the wink wink uh unjinx <laughs> you know, the, re, the reverse psychology text worked on both accounts
0: <laughs> yeah it was a it was it was interesting you know it's, I, I spend so much time you know, i'm watching games but i'm also not paying fully full attention to them with with the dogs radio broadcast going on. So um, were were there any other like games that jumped out of you? One game that jumped out to me was Virginia and Illinois. Uh, Virginia just looked listless and replacing all five offensive linemen is going to be a task against real teams this year, teams that aren't Richmond. Um, They've got ODU coming in uh, this week, but were were there any, any games that stuck out to you last week uh, in week two or sorry, week three? Week, week there two, were week two, week two.
2: There were a lot of games, Luke. There were a lot of games that stood out to me. I don't know if we have enough time this week to go over them, but um, I'll throw out a couple. You pick the ones you want to hit on. Um, Bama 2019 over Texas, North Carolina, or uh, edged out a win over Georgia State. Um, we had the surprise indie that I picked that came to fruition. App State over Texas A and M. Um, we had the the Cyhawk Trophy, which. Man, uh, I, I wish they could have just given it to the kids up in the <laughs> up in the hospital. <laughs> neither, neither one of those teams deserved it. Um, uh, Houston and Texas Tech double overtime game. Uh, Kansas beating West Virginia in overtime by thirteen points. You don't see that spread in an overtime game very often. Um, Kentucky Florida was an interesting game. Found out a lot about those two teams. I thought, um, and to, to to go along with the App State game. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Marshall Thundering Herd toppling the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Um, yeah,
0: so a tremendous win! A, lo-
2: a lot of fun belt action last week. A lot of fun belt upsets, uh, including Georgia Southern over Nebraska, which caused the 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 really premature firing of Scott Frost. If they had waited three more weeks, they would have uh, cut his buyout in half. That's how badly <laughs> they had been fired. They paid an extra seven and a half million dollars just to get him out of there now. Um so that that's what I took away from that week as far as the games. I'll let you steer us on which ones we really focus on.
0: Well, let's walk it all the way back to the beginning because we we were both kind of in agreement that Bama versus Texas was going to be a beatdown and it was anything but. Uh Texas that good or is Bama having going to have a quote unquote down here? I I think I think
2: a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Uh I, People just seem to forget that there is flat-out talent on the Texas roster year in, year out. There's always a couple of five-stars, a slew of four-stars all over that team. It's just been mismanaged for the last, uh, what, 15 years or so. Um, Bama, on the other hand, really, really exposed themselves for not having playmakers. There's like, Jameer Gibbs is about it. They don't have one top 15 receiver, let alone two top 15 receivers like they've had for the last five years. Um, They don't have a solid tight end. Their offensive line looks like crap. Um, If it wasn't for the officials, they would have lost this game by a touchdown, easily. Uh, The the officials are the reason Alabama won this game, not Alabama whatsoever. Um, The only thing that I have a problem with out of this is Nick Saban never lets this happen twice in a season. That I just don't think it's going to happen again. But if I'm a Tennessee fan and I got a choice of when I got to play Alabama this year, I would want to play them this weekend because I don't think they're going to figure it out that fast. But they're not going to have to. I don't think that they, they are. They are not your daddy's Alabama, as as they say.
0: Yeah, and Br- Bryce Young making that one that one run to get them into field goal range was at the end. There was was this other than the officials like. You, you what you can't say very often is Alabama won that game because of their quarterback and, and Bryce Young making that run, it's like Bryce Young is the Alabama offense this year, and you've hardly ever been able to say that about Alabama in that in the sense that their quarterback is their whole offense. And and that run you're referring to was one of the plays that I thought
2: the officials just gave Alabama the game because you know he does a great job avoiding that blitz that comes in unblocked guy directly at him does a great job of you know pulling a sunshine getting rid of that guy but as he escapes the defensive end that's right there I mean is just getting held on it, it is like people hanging onto the side of the Titanic trying not to get into the water how much he was trying how much he was holding on to that defensive lineman. And that's what, that's what enabled Bryce Young to, to make that break on the outside. Um, so, you know, it, they don't call it. There's nothing he can do about it. But it's definitely something that if the roles had been reversed, would have been called, which is the unfortunate thing. Uh, Bama also had to do all of this against Texas's second-string quarterback, uh, who did, didn't look particularly gifted, but he didn't screw anything up. You know, he, he, he took what was there. Really relied on Bijan Robinson, who I thought had a really good game, especially considering who he was playing. Um, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, all, all going on in that game.
0: Yeah, we're, we're going to stay in the state of Texas now. And App State, Texas A&M, even lower scoring game than Alabama-Texas, which you probably would not have expected after the UNC App State game in week one. But App winning 17-14 to 14, gets college game day on campus this Saturday uh, for their game against Troy, 330 kick. Um, I know a few people who are making the trip over there. That that should be fun. Um, but I just like I, I just gotta start thinking this could be the beginning of the end for Jimbo Fisher. I and mean, there is too much talent on that roster, and especially on that offense, for them to be only scoring fourteen points against a Sunbelt team. And
2: and he has the number one recruiting class this year. Like the yeah. the number one recruiting class is true freshman right there at Texas A&M. Um, I mean, all that
0: chirping, it, all that chirping this offseason, he's not backing it
2: up. Oh, the thing is he'll still beat Bama. Look at them. I mean, it that's going to be a that's going to be one of those games of who wants it the least. Um, <laughs> uh, but, th- but th- this is why I picked App State. It was a full-fledged I in- I completely intended it. I thought it could happen because of watching the game against Sam Houston State from Texas A&M. I thought their defense looked decent. Decent enough to beat teams like that. And their defense played decent enough to beat App State. The problem was they couldn't get off the field. I think App State ran something like 81 plays to uh, high 30s. 39.
0: 30. 39.
2: Yeah. High 30s for Texas A&M. So they just controlled the clock. Uh, Texas A&M's offense never had a chance to get into into a rhythm. Um, and my my big reason that I mentioned App State as my surprise ending last week was I, I don't think Haynes King is there. I think he's got good athleticism. I think he's got a great future, but he's not there yet. They don't have the supporting cast around him yet. I mean, the the touchdown that they scored was a kickoff return. They didn't score an offensive touchdown against App State. Um, that's that's not good, Luke. Uh, is you know, especially Jimbo Fisher being the highest paid coach in in football. Uh, or at least was at one point until Sabin and Dabo got uh, got extended um I, I I don't know what you do with him because he signed a, like a, a Harbaugh type of deal he just signed like a 10year something 70 100 million dollar extension or something like the buyout on that would even make the Texas boosters you know uh,
0: faint you know do, do oh, they like, got oh, that my. oil money they got that oil money one thing I've noticed is that the money always shows up if you need it. And, and we saw that with Scott Frost, right? I mean, he he got fired a couple weeks before his buyout goes down seven and a half million. So the money always shows up if it's needed. I just, I'm just looking at this purely from a football perspective, man. Like he is doing a little with a lot.
2: I mean, he, he is still riding the coattails of that Bama win last year. And, you know, I think he's
0: still riding the coattails of that national championship with Florida state.
2: Oh, de- definitely, by, by far. But he's recruiting well. Still, he's recruited well that entire time. He's he's at least been able to to stock the cupboard with talent and ha- have something to screw up. If you if you're staying with me there, um, <laughs> uh, I I don't I don't know what you do with him. Um, the good thing for him is maybe outside of the playoff picture, um, doesn't have a conference loss. I still think they're better than a couple of teams in in the West just on paper, if they can get Haynes King and that offense, I I heard a lot of people coming into this season say the Jimbo's offense is like one of the most complicated offenses to, to take on and start to to really thrive in. If that's the case, maybe people should have expected a slower start. Um, On the other hand, why the hell you got such a complicated offense and a freshman running it, a a true sophomore running it Um, doesn't make any sense to me. It, run what your players can run and build on it from there. You don't need to throw the whole fucking book at them and say, learn it and we're going to run it day one. Uh, so I, I don't know where I stand on firing Jimbo. I think it's too early, but I certainly think he's making himself a case.
0: Yeah, I think it's too early too. I just think maybe this time next year, you could have kind of Scott Frost-like like rumblings uh, if, if A&M, which is a really proud program, you know, you look at how far Nebraska's fallen, a and looking like we're not trying to fall like that. And, and they've got former conference rivals, Texas and Oklahoma, coming into the conference in a couple of years. They've had that advantage now for a decade, that built-in advantage that says we're the only SEC team in the state of Texas. That's about to change. So you, you look at, at, at what Jimbo Fisher needs to do to kind of keep Texas A&M in that driver's seat uh, for recruits.
2: Yeah, at uh, like you said, it's going to be really tough to sell this again. Uh, yeah. The big, the big advantage they have is all that NIL money. You almost don't even have to do well; guys just come there for the paycheck. And right, right, wrong, right, wrong, or indifferent. These are high school kids, probably a lot of them with uh, families that need that need the money, and they're going to be able to buy their way into those conversations. Um, Texas can only buy so many players, you know, per NCAA rules. So. Uh, hmm. Texas A&M can buy the rest of him, I guess, from the state of Texas. Uh, <laughs> hopefully they can I, – I, for one, I like Texas A&M. I don't like Jimbo Fisher at all. Um, so I, I hope that they can either get it together just to be a thorn in the side of Alabama persistently or get rid of him and find someone else they can because I saw the stat that through this point of their careers, he has the same exact record as Kevin Sumlin.
0: Wow. I I, I would not have guessed that.
2: Yeah, and uh, – just, just, just try to tell me the reason why Kevin Sumlin was on the hot seat and Jimbo wasn't. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you three seconds of silence and we can move on.
0: <laughs> well, we are going to pick the Texas A&M game uh, this week against number thirteen Miami a Somehow still in the top twenty-five. That's uh, a nine o'clock game on ESPN. Nice, nice, uh, nice nightcap there. I, I like that. But we, we've got other games we are going to pick uh, before that as we jump into our Slim Suites Indies of the Week. Slim Sweets, Earl Sturdivant, our friend. You heard his uh him announced at the beginning of the show uh, in our intro, voiced by Zach Burhands, who just had a birthday as well. Happy birthday, Zach! He's not thirty yet. Uh, lucky Happy Burhands, um, <laughs> um, but uh, but <laughs> Slim Sweets Indies of the Week. Check them out on Facebook. Slim Sweets. Send Earl a message. You can have some delicious baked goods delivered to your door. But. Lots of games, not as many games as to pick on the pro side this week. We did all of week one, but we're going to do that in the fourth quarter. The indies of the week here are going to stay with the college picks, and we're going to we're going to do that here as to to round out our third quarter. Uh, but we'll start with the game here in Raleigh, or I should say here in North Carolina. You neither of us in Raleigh at, at the moment, but Texas Tech and NC State. A uh, couple of offenses that can put points on the board. Uh, NC State's got that really experienced defense, and Texas Tech is coming off of a thriller against Houston. And what was a I I think a lower scoring game than I expected it to be 33 uh, 30 in overtime. But Double guys, OT. You, th- you think this game is going to be really good?
2: Yeah, I just um, I- I watched a lot of that Houston uh, and Texas Tech game just because I'm, for some reason I. I'm kind of intrigued with Houston this year. I I can't put my finger on it. They're just a team that, you know, floats by boat, so to speak, I guess, in a football sense. Um, So I've been following them a little bit. I I definitely think that they are um, Texas Tech this is now. I I think Texas Tech is a better team than folks are going to give them credit for. Um, Obviously, beating Houston is a big win. Um, they destroyed Murray State in the opener as you would expect so not a lot you can take from there. The big question for Texas Tech is can they ev- can they avoid looking ahead to Texas because i no, no matter that NC State is ranked higher than Texas they are all focused on that they're more interested in that Texas game than they will be with an out of conference NC State team. Um I think NC State uses this to their to their advantage and uh wins a nail biter. I don't uh, Right now, State's a 10-point favorite. Um, I can see that. The only problem is I still don't think NC State has identified that second uh, weapon behind Thayer Thomas. Just because you beat who you beat last weekend does not mean that that person has emerged. It helps. It helps just kind of get a little bit of confidence built. But um, I'm I'm rolling with the pack in this one. But by less than the 10-point spread that they have right now.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. This is tough. The the, the line has shifted in NC State's favor uh, over the last yep. couple weeks. Um, I'm not a Dave Doran fan. I think this is a prime game where Dave Doran could like fuck shit up if it's close late in the game. But I don't Absolutely. think that Matt Wells is a markedly better coach. Not saying he's a bad coach, but like I don't know as much about him, and I know he. I don't think he's like such a mastermind that like. He, he Texas Tech is going to super take advantage of, of of having the upper hand on the coaching the coaching uh, staff angle. Um, so I think NC State overcomes some really dumb shit from Dave Doran like they did in Week One and comes out with a touchdown victory.
2: Carter Finley has a way of turning the tide too in these night games. So yeah,
0: absolutely. I kind of wish I kind of wish I would be there, but I, I'll get to, I'll at least get to watch this one on TV with the dogs kicking at noon. So exactly. Looking forward to that. Penn State and Auburn. Uh, I I like this matchup a lot. This was the whiteout game in State College last year. They say Pennsylvania is Philadelphia and Pittsburgh with Alabama in between. Well, the Nittany Lions are going down to Alabama, and this is battle of farm schools uh, in this game. The 330 CBS game. This is the first 330 CBS SEC game of the year. Uh, So, I I mean, this is a a big chance for Auburn to kind of make a statement here, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think Penn State is going to go in and – and win this ballgame. I'm not going to give a score because I, I haven't seen either team play too much this year, but I, I like the Big Ten's Nittany Lions here.
2: Yeah, they're both kind of the the conference's version of each other right now. Like, you don't really know what they are. They both have kind of a head-scratchingly close game, like the Purdue game for for Penn, um, Penn State. You have the San Jose State game with Auburn last week, where they won by eight points, 24 to 16, just a – ugly ugly ball uh ball game um but i i, I think jordan Air, uh 330 on cbs that place is gonna be rocking um it, it's it's hard to go wrong here but I, i'm gonna pick brian harson to pick up a win right here maybe start to turn the tide for his program
0: i like it i like it. So this game could do, this is a popcorn game it could, could go either way here um, yeah another popcorn game Way out west in Eugene, Oregon. BYU in Oregon. BYU really challenging themselves here early with the schedule. They had Baylor in town in that that crazy game with, with the kicking was. Um, now they go to Austin Stadium uh, with an Oregon team that's got something to prove after they were smacked in week one by Georgia. Um, so I really like this matchup. Uh, I, if I have a coin right now, I'd flip it. But I'm going to go with the home team here in Oregon, kind of the opposite of what I did last pick with Penn State-Auburn.
2: I have, I have loved what I've seen out of BYU um, this year. Obviously, a really gutsy win versus a big team that we both picked last week to beat them in Baylor, um, who I, I still – Texas throws a wrench into it, but I still think that they probably win the Big 12. Uh, they smacked South Florida to start the season um, – their schedule is actually pretty loaded. Like they go to Oregon the middle of the season. They go to Notre Dame. They host Arkansas uh, in October. Um, they play East Carolina later. They go to Stanford. So they've got actually a lot of, of named teams on their schedule that you wouldn't maybe expect. Um, so uh, perfect to have some of this stuff up front. They have looked really, really good, actually. Not, not just the other team looks bad. They have actively looked good. Um after seeing what Oregon looked like against Georgia, there's no chance I'm picking them until I see them actually play well. So I'm gonna pick the Mormons.
0: All right. Dum 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 dum. <laughs> <laughs> BYU. When Oregon, we've got a split here in uh, in pick number three. Going to hmm, magic mirror on the wall. Miami and AM. We'll do we'll do that one. Um I think, as weird as it sounds to say, I think this is going to be a, 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 a get-right game for A&M. Miami hasn't been tested in their first two games. They've beaten Bethune-Cookman and Southern Miss, and this is their first road game. And it's it's still going to be a tough environment. It takes more than a loss to uh, Appalachian State to turn Kyle Field into a ghost town, uh, I think. Um, and it, it's going to be the toughest atmosphere Miami plays in all season, I think. Um, and I think Texas A&M wins this game i i i don't know if their offense is going to fully rebound but i think they're going to make the plays necessary on both sides of the ball to get a win over miami
2: yeah somehow AM is still the favorite they're five and a half point favorites over miami um i don't i don't know what the hell anybody else has been watching i'm picking miami
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean they, they say vegas always knows right? I mean they, vegas always has you know some sort of of inside information or whatever but I didn't last year. Staying in the SEC. Uh, actually, a conference matchup to go along with Georgia South Carolina. This one in the West, Mississippi State at Death Valley taking on LSU. That's a six o'clock kickoff on ESPN. I think it precedes the A um, and M Miami game. Um, but this is uh, this is Brian Kelly's first conference game here in the SEC. Mississippi State. I've I've heard a lot about them as a possible possible spoiler in the west this year i I don't, I don't really see it i i see you know lsu's already been caught with their pants down once this year i don't think it's going to happen again so soon uh, i think they're going to take care of business here uh at tiger stadium against mississippi state
2: the 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 roster i like better at lsu but the quarterback far far favors mississippi state plus um being in the third year of mike leach uh everything is kind of you know, it's a little bit more of a of a program than what LSU has right now. Um, LSU, of course, off a nice win at Southern. It was cool to see all the pageantry there for Southern. First time they've played just right down the streets. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, I, I love that pageantry in, in Louisiana just in, in general. They, they do it really, really well for football. Um, I'm going to take Mississippi State just because of Will Rogers. Not really anything else. I just trust Will Rogers more than I do – uh Jaden daniels at lsu so it's it's a coin flip game death valley's tough um but i'm gonna take mississippi state in this one
0: yeah i i i I don't know i just i just like the i like the home teams here after i made that that road pick uh but this is an underrated coaching matchup actually uh this is a weird
2: really weird kickoff time too
0: yeah, it's still plenty of time for them to tailgate and you know eat gumbo and alligators and stuff down there and right. everyone to get nice and licking up. But it's not it's not like a true night game at Death Valley. Yeah, I, I, you're right.
2: No, normally the six p.m. is like local time because it kicks off seven here, but this is gonna be five o'clock local time yeah, and so you gotta, six you gotta start o'clock
0: drinking an hour sooner. Yeah, a couple yeah. hours sooner.
2: <laughs> yeah, you guys got to wake up uh, or I, maybe they don't even sleep in Ellis in Baton Rouge. I don't. I don't know They're a lot of fun stuff goes on there. I don't know if I would find the time to sleep.
0: <laughs> Going to Friday now. Florida State-Louisville matchup in the ACC. The ACC has taken this Friday slot and made it its own, which I, I don't really care for. But uh, the games are there, and this one is decent Luke, enough to pick. That, that's where high school football belongs. I agree. <laughs> oh, my god, That's harsh. That's harsh. That's harsh. But – the game is there and it's worthy of picking. Uh, so I, I bet in Texas they'll probably think, "Oh, our, te- our high school teams are better than these two teams that are playing." Um, you could make some. You could make some arguments. Yeah, but L- Louisville coming off a, a big win over UCF, It's actually be their second Friday game in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Louisville taking on uh, their second team from Florida in a row too, um, and I think they're going to repeat yeah. the feat. I think they're going to beat FSU too um, in a, a popcorn matchup that I don't really know a whole lot about. Uh, but I, I like Scott Satterfield uh, a, a lot as a coach, and I like him better than I like Mike Norvell. So I'm going to go with uh, with the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, I I'm having a hard time with with Louisville. I, I, I promise, I'm not saying all this to just be you know devil's advocate to Luke. This is just how we're seeing these games this week. Um, that the loss to Syracuse in the opener really, really. Get put a stink on them for me that it's going to be hard to erase until they actually erase it. And barely beating UCF last week did not do that for me. I'm not. I'm not saying that Florida State is anything special, but uh, the the win basically on the road at LSU is enough for me uh, to give them the edge over Louisville in this game. And Lu- Lu- Louisville just has too many L's in it already, so I'm going <laughs> to give them one more.
0: <laughs> <Boom>.
2: <laughs>
0: do we have any more before our surprise indie um i know we actually we asked think so. in Washington so so we'll go to our surprise indies mine is coming out of well it's actually a conference usa south sunbelt matchup um and we saw this sunbelt team pull off one of the upsets it's actually not a team we, we mentioned or maybe it maybe it was i don't remember um but it was not mart it's not marshall it's Georgia Southern. Who, uh, who knocked off uh, Nebraska and sent Scott Frost packing. Uh, but all, I think they're going to go into Protective Stadium, which is the, the name of UAB's new stadium, which is quite nice. And they're going to knock off the Conference USA favorites in a, a matchup between uh, two two conferences that are headed in opposite directions. Uh, this Georgia Southern putting in a new offense. They don't run the triple option anymore now that uh, Tyson Helton's there. Or excuse me, cut Cl- Clay Helton is there, um, <laughs> a Western Kentucky coach, um, but they, they've they uh, adapted to it well so far, and I think that smooth transition is going to continue as uh, the 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 Eagles of Georgia Southern are going to to beat the the great name, great mascot Blazers of UAB. As much as I love the mascot, I just I really like what Georgia Southern's doing. They're going to keep it up.
2: I'm sure every Nebraska fan this morning is right along with you. They probably bought Georgia Southern t-shirts after doing them all a massive favor and expediting the frost exit. Um, I I, I like that pick. I think that they should ride, ride a wave of confidence, hopefully into another win. Um, Good, good pick there. Mine is one that I hinted at actually before the season started. Um, I'm going to take UT San Antonio to beat Texas. And this is because I think Texas is going to be on an emotional, uh, you know, kind of a valley. I think everything got built up so high for this Alabama game, rightfully so. They should have won. But them not winning, I think, has a humongous effect on them this week. UTSA is a scary good team. They've already beat Houston. Uh, um, sorry, lost uh, a, a nail biter to Houston. Yeah, came-
0: double MC, I think.
2: Yeah, came back. Beat Army and OT last week. This team knows how to win games or at least play games at this time. uh, A a close game, get to OT. I I really favor them. And Texas, like I alluded to in the state segment, may be looking ahead to Texas Tech and that rivalry they have with them. Um, Just again with App State last week, just a lot of these variables that you typically see in trap games are uh are evident here they exist here in this environment so I'm taking the Roadrunners over the Longhorns for my surprise yeah
0: I love that pick you know I'm a big UTSA fan this year I've been a fan of them all year on the on the show so
2: rightfully uh, so they
0: would would definitely like to see that happen
2: great program and that they're having a really they're having a good year I mean for being one and one really could be two and oh with a win over a top 25 team so I think they get their top 25 win this weekend
0: yeah. That'd be, that would be awesome. And, and before we, before we close off quarter number three and go to the NFL, did you get out what you needed to get out about Scott Frost and the Nebraska job? Because I know, I know you have, you, we, they buried, you said it before they buried it on an NFL Sunday. So. Yeah. It's just, I, I, that, I'm just really interested to
2: see who they go higher because you fire Scott Frost at this point, he costs you seven and a half million more. Like you said, the money can pretty much always be found. Um, but they hadn't moved yet. And I thought that they had more embarrassing losses than this one. Um, but I, I guess they, uh, enough was enough. The guy wasn't going to resign. Um, I'm just really curious at who they're going to get. Because most anyone that is worth their salt is going to have to make a midseason jump. Or are they just going to – I don't know how that's going to work. I've never seen a like a Power 5 head coach fired this early in the season – and then them have to kind of sit with an interim the whole season like this, um, but be a humongous opening like Nebraska is, you know, uh, if you've only watched football for the last 15 years, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about with the, you know, the, just what Nebraska means to, to the landscape of college football, but um, they're, they're, they're massive. They're a blue blood of the sport and, they're, they're in a bad way. They, they remind me a lot of what Tennessee had to go through two years ago. Sometimes you just have to, you know, sometimes you have to cut your nose off to spite your face. Sometimes there's no better way to do it. And they, they did that with Scott Frost. I saw Dave Durin's name come up with this opening. Um, I've seen Tom Herman's name come up with this opening. Uh, what We actually had a, a comment on our tweet today that echoed actually what I was hoping Nebraska would do as well and go get Mark Stoops. That'd be self-serving, get him out of the conference. But I think he's a perfect guy to go rebuild a program like that. Um, so that's all I really say about Scott Frost. It was just humongous news that got buried in in the, the first Sunday of, of NFL football, um, and wanted to make sure we touched on that real quick.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that tweet because that's the reason I, I tied that all back here at the end of this third quarter as the horn sounds, uh, because I wanted to publicize that tweet. If you hear this show and you have an idea of who you think. Nebraska should hire us their next head coach. Go ahead and reply to that tweet. We've had several replies already. I threw in a joke one there as Bill Cower, because his name seems to come up every single time someone important has a coaching search. Um, so just just joking around there. I don't, don't actually think Bill Cower is going to. But go ahead and take a look uh, at that tweet. And if you haven't, if you have thoughts, reply to it. Um, we're going to try to do a little bit more of that kind of get more involved interaction with with listeners uh, on on just just kind of general hot button football topics like that. Uh, but to the fourth quarter now, and we'll get to the N- NFL. Um, we're gonna have picks at the end of the quarter, like we did with with uh, college football. Uh, thanks once again to Earl Sturdivant for the Indies of the week and the, the surprise Indies, of course, our favorite moment. Um, but week one under the belt. You know, some some games, some games didn't go the way we expected them to go. You can listen back to our week one picks and laugh at us if you really want uh, from our previous show. But you you brought it up. We'll start here in the fourth quarter. You brought it up in the first. The bone to pick. I'm ready to pick it. Yeah,
2: um, Tra- Trevor Lawrence is not Clemson. Blank Abbott.
0: I knew. I, I knew, knew that's it. what this was. I knew it's what this was about. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I know. I know you're a hot takes guy, and I mean, I don't. I don't take any like. I, I know you just kind of threw that out there. I, it's probably not exactly what you actually believe, um, but I, I, I've seen a couple of folks mention. That exact name in in the Jaguars fan base saying, "Oh, this guy's just another blank I average." I put it out there because of the hair.
0: I, I, it's because of the hair, man.
2: Yeah, that, <laughs> and he's, that, a that, tiger. That, he's a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's more of what I thought you were going for. Like, and,
0: uh, uh, go ahead. Just 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 to, just to be clear, if you didn't see if if you didn't see what I'm talking or what Alex is talking about, I did say uh, during the game on Sunday. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is ACC, Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> so just, just for that's where this is coming from.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, not, not so much a bone to pick with you because, like I said, <laughs> I, I I know what your account is. Your, your account is just like you're you're throwing bait out there trying to get someone to take it. Th- th- this isn't necessarily taking the bait, but it, it did spurn the thought because I, I I guess I just repressed me seeing it as I was scrolling through Twitter during the game, a little bit after the game, folks already giving up on Trevor Lawrence. And I, how, how can you be a Jaguars fan and have no patience? It doesn't make any sense to me. Like th- This is arguably the most talented player that's ever been in this franchise. By industry standard, everyone says he is going to be uh, an NFL mainstay for his entire career. Everyone. That's unbiased biased whatever there is almost no exception um I just don't understand giving up on him after a game which hell I thought he actually looked pretty decent for a new head coach brand new wide receivers getting a, a, a rookie running back involved in the mix a lot of guys making some mistakes around him the offensive line giving him not point two a, a seconds to throw the football
0: um, a rookie center a rookie center that they, they harped on that on the broadcast a lot um, yeah. that, that was, that was, you know, that's, that's an important part of it. Um uh, and that, that's a big reason why Washington won the game is because their, their defensive line controlled the interior.
2: That there's a lot of new, and I'm not going to tell you that it, that the last play Trevor Lawrence made was a good decision. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he didn't make mistakes. Every quarterback makes mistakes though. You know, it, it, it was a close game. This looked like an actual football game the whole time. You know, of course there was some ineptitudes on both sides for you know short stretches but you know we goose egg the second quarter you guys goose egg the third quarter every other quarter both teams scored in and I, I would say given what we saw from some of the other squads like Indy and Houston walking away with a draw at 20 I'm more confident in the Jaguars than either one of those two teams so I don't know what people are talking about who are serious about picking Trevor apart and for my money his first real NFL season. I'm not counting last
0: year. I can't. You saw, you saw the adjustments that Doug Peterson made in the middle of the game. The first couple drives, Washington's defense and pass rush was getting to Trevor Lawrence, disrupting his rhythm. And he wasn't getting the ball out quickly enough. I'm going back to last year and thinking about uh, the chargers team that came in with a bad offensive line. and, And, they had Justin Herbert just throwing the ball immediately, getting the ball out quickly, and then in the second and third quarters, when Jacksonville made their move and went ahead, Trevor Lawrence was getting the ball out much more quickly than he was in the first quarter. And you know, with when Washington woke up, and you know, Jacksonville had to try and play ball control a little bit more. That that sort of went away. But I want to shout out going over to the other side of the ball. Trayvon Walker didn't have exactly the stat line that I thought he would. I predicted he would have sacks, but he did have a sack where he looked really good, just running right around Sam Cosby. And he, he showed tremendous awareness with that interception on a screen pass that was intended for Antonio Gibson. Um, you know, he, he uh, other, other pass rushers might've given up on the play if they had been kind of beaten the way that he he was by Charles Leno, but, uh, but he kept it going and, you know, kept, kept, kept his head in the play and came up with a, a big interception that led to a touchdown. So, I really like what the future holds on the defensive line for Jacksonville. Josh Allen had a good game too with a forced fumble.
2: Yeah. I mean, and you see the, the really, the weakness for the Jaguars was their, their linebacking core. They're, they're actual linebackers, not your, your, your pass rushers like Trevon Walker and Allen. I'm talking your Foyer Luacon and Devin Lloyd, whoever else played there kind of in that middle linebacker. Cause we, we run basically a two five most of the time. Um, I they're going to need a lot of work, but it's both there for it was both their first games uh, really playing together. Um, I thought the defensive backs could have been a lot better, especially on the, the game winning touchdown. I thought there was an opportunity for uh, for him to get his head around and maybe knock that ball down or at least impact Jahan Dotson making a really, really good catch. Um, he just kind of he just kind of st- stood there and didn't didn't do a whole lot. He was more in the way than he was playing defense. Um, so if I had anything to really correct for the Jaguars, it would be to work on the back end a little bit more. Work on those linebackers. Gotta fix that offensive line. It, it has to come together if we're going to do anything this year. Um, but I I want to want to flip over and talk about the Commanders though because there was some good and there was some that there was some question marks for me personally. I thought Carson Wentz did a good job coming out, uh, starting the game hot and then recovering from the inevitable Carson Wentz lull that happens in a game. He did a good job of coming back out in that fourth quarter and winning when it mattered. He, he didn't do anything special, but he hit the throws to Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson that won the game. He didn't overthrow them, put them where they needed it. uh, And, he, he, he overcame a demon that is the Jacksonville Jaguars for him, and it's a good start for him. I'm really inter- interested to see how he progresses, but Curtis Samuel changes that offense. You didn't use him a whole lot in the second half, but I don't think you had to because you really just put the value in him in the first half, and we had to worry about him the whole second half. Thankfully, he fumbled and gave us a chance to get back into that game, but I liked a lot of what Washington did.
0: Yeah, this was the offense we were supposed to see last season before the injuries and whatnot. Um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was supposed to be doing what Carson Wentz is doing right now. Um, neither here nor there, but the Terry McLaurin touchdown was so great because on social media, it, you know, the few times I did look at it during commercials or whatever, it was another. It was in the second half. It was more of this. God, we just signed Terry to this big deal, and we aren't targeting him. He only had one catch to that point. He only had two for the whole game, but one was that huge touchdown. But I'm telling you, that was intentional on Scott Turner's part. You've got everyone else now, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. You've got a couple tight ends that can catch passes. Logan Thomas had two huge third-down conversions. Welcome back to the team, Logan Thomas, by the way. I'm yep. uh, glad he's healthy now um, in, in the fourth quarter. But Terry McLaurin is not going to be one of those guys who gets you know, like eight to ten catches a game. Like He's going to be like the only guy that you're targeting on third down, etc., Terry McLaurin is going to be much more of a lull you to sleep, and then a home run hitter, you know, uh, like he was on Sunday. That was just, that was maybe the, the most beautiful play of the game for the Commanders on offense. That was just worked perfectly. Um, but lulling the Jacksonville defense to sleep, and I think that coupling with what they did in the first half with Curtis Samuel, you know, making the Jaguars defense, be aware of him. That was the perfect, the perfect play call there to take that shot to Terry McLaurin and, and Jahan Dotson with two touchdowns can jump out of the gym. Um, He would have had some, some more yards if Carson Wentz could find, you know, where his freaking hands were when he's wide open, but um, really, really liked what I saw from the the receivers. And I love what I saw from Antonio Gibson. Uh, He's going to have to step into that, that RB one role because Brian Robinson's out for a few more weeks. He, to his credit, didn't fumble and yeah he, he helped seal the game late with that the with running some run plays to get uh into scoring range and then to you know help Carson Wentz take the knee at the end
2: yeah uh good good uh, uh a good summation uh of the game i really do think Terry being l- not locked down cuz i'm not going to say we locked him down but the the reason that is he didn't have many catches is because the the jags said all right Prove to us who the other people are on your offense. We're taking him out. You beat us with someone else. And they did. They beat us with Dotson. Um, they beat us with Samuel in the first half. right? Rightfully so. And it's the approach that I would have taken if I was the Jaguars as well. I know Terry McLaurin's a, a, a son of a bitch. you got to take him out of this game. Put two guys on him. Whatever you got to do. Keep him quiet. Make Carson Wentz find another new target somewhere else. And they, and they did. This was just... Maybe not the two best teams in the NFL, sure. But th- this didn't look like two of the worst teams in the NFL. I thought this looked like a pretty good, you know, like the number 10 team in the NFL versus the number 18. Like it felt like a nice mid-range NFL game, which is probably good news for both teams, just given what they're introducing this year. And we can move off of the game now. But I I, I was... uh pleased i i was I, I'm, I'm losing the word here but I, I feel i feel optimistic about the jaguars just after game one way more than i did about really any game that urban coached
0: <laughs> yeah no doubt urban meyer long gone I think doug peterson is gonna have them competitive um, me too. whether he wins his second super bowl as a head coach is up for debate but gonna have them way more competitive than they've been um before we get to picks just a couple other games that stuck out for me um, we almost had two ties. We had the Houston-Indianapolis tie, and we should have had the uh, Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game tie as well. But uh, one game I did not see coming uh, at all was the Giants beating Tennessee. Man, mm. man Tennessee just – they went up 13 nothing, and they just disappeared. I mean, what – I don't know what the hell happened to their offense. But they were – one second they were humming, and then all of a sudden Daniel Jones looks like the second coming of John Elway.
2: Uh yeah, w- welcome back. Welcome back, Saquon Barkley. Um uh, yeah, let's just start. Mean, yeah, he's there. a big,
0: big reason why. Big reason, for sure.
2: But this is uh this is what I said. Outside of Daniel Jones, the Giants have fucking weapons. We start uh, saw Sterling Shepard catch a nice young, a long touchdown. Um obviously they have Kadarius Toney and Wandale Robinson as kind of those Swiss Army knife kind of players. Um you have Kenny Galladay who's kind of a mainstay at just your traditional wide receiver role. And then you have Saquon Barkley. Basically, all you need is a quarterback who doesn't fuck it up, and you're good. And that's what Daniel Jones avoided doing in the second half. He stayed out of the way, handed it to Saquon, put screen passes where he could catch him and run upfield, and the Titans didn't get the benefit of having a quarterback that wouldn't fuck up play. Um, mm-hmm. That They also had some really, really intriguing play calls on third and one, where in the second half. They had third and one like three or four times and did not run the ball once. I don't know who they think their running back is, but this guy specializes in that shit. It doesn't matter if they put 11 guys on the line. Derrick Henry's getting a yard. I don't know what you're doing. Um, but th- this game was just a microcosm of why I think Malik Willis will be the starter by the halfway point. Ryan Tanning Hill is butt cheeks, man.
0: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, man. I was, he is just he is not good. He is just no. not good. Um, At all, that was that was the one game that we hadn't covered yet that I I wanted to talk about. Any any ones that you had before we jump to picks? Um, I,
2: not going to talk about it, but uh, Bill Belichick got flat out out coached against the Dolphins by a rookie head coach. Um, that's important to note. The game that caught me completely fucking off guard this week was the Steelers beating the Bengals and Joe Burrow tossing four picks. He did not look. Good until really the fourth quarter, maybe just knocking some rust off. But um, I, I am not uh, optimistic about the Bengals this year. I'm not in love with what I saw them do against the Steelers, who I don't think are a very good football team from NFL standards. That Agreed. that's the
0: that's the game that stands out to me the most. Yeah, and then well, the last one is, uh, I mean, Green Bay getting shut down by Minnesota. But if you look to last year, Green Bay was ass in their first game. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve judgment on the Packers at least for one more week,
2: um, and that their second half was a lot better. Offensively, yeah. they got to figure it out, but their their defense figured it out in the second half and shut Justin Jefferson down.
0: Yeah, but I'm glad you brought up the Dolphins because they're going to be the first game we pick today uh, because that's the first, or I should say, it's going to be the best game of the one o'clock window, I, I think by far. Um, even better than yes, the Connor Lilly Classic, Commanders versus Lions, <laughs> um, which we are not going to pick. That's going to uh, be a good
2: game, though. It, it, be it fair. will be.
0: I think it will be. I think it'll be have some twists and turns. But uh, Ravens, Dolphins. Uh, um, this is this is going to be a lot of fireworks on offense in this game. I have a feeling. Um, I, I think Lamar Jackson is going to put on a show, and I think the Miami receivers are going to put on a show as well. I, I'm I'm kind of. I'm kind of on the fence about who to pick, but, but do you have any, any like burning thoughts about the game before we, we make our predictions? Uh,
2: no, Baltimore's a slight favorite. Um, going to really depend on what the weather is there. Right now it's saying it's going to be 83 degrees. If that's the case, I, I'm not so much worried about the, the home field advantage for the Ravens because it's not going to be cold. It's going to be more close to Florida weather than it is Baltimore weather. Um, uh, should, should be just a really interesting game. Both teams that handled their business week one, uh, Tyreek Hill looked great in, in that offense. They didn't have him streaming down the field a whole lot. They had him running a lot of short routes and um, getting him volume touches. Had eight catches for 94 yards uh, to it with a very efficient day. Not not one that will win you a fantasy league, Alex, but that uh, de- definitely a very efficient day. Um and L- Lamar Jackson had some really beautiful throws against the Jets. Um, some really really beautiful deep throws. Um, definitely looks like a little bit different of a quarterback with his uh just bulking up in the offseason. Um, really I I don't it's hard to pick this game because I just don't it's so early and I like both of these teams.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Ravens though at, at home on a late Mark Andrews touchdown. I formulated yep. that while you were talking. I th- I there think you go. I like Baltimore here. Uh,
2: my, my guts has been telling me the Dolphins all year as they were picked in my top five. I still firmly believe that. So for contrarian reasons, I'll also go the Dolphins, but um, it, it's – it's that's a toss-up, man. That That's yeah. definitely the
0: best game of, of the of the window. Yeah, I'm in one 4 o'clock game we're picking that I, I kind of threw in here, mostly because of last night's result. Uh, if, if Seattle hadn't won, I probably wouldn't have gone to this game. But San Francisco and Seattle—I uh, think the game's in San Francisco. But uh, Trey Lance yes. w- against Trey Lance against uh, Geno Smith. Um, San Francisco coming off that loss to Chicago in terrible weather. Um, I, I, I like the Niners here. I'm giving them a mulligan because of that weather. I mean, they've got a shitload to figure out, and it's not known yet if George Kittle is going to play. Um, that's big for both the Niners and for Cameron. Break good times. Come on, my fantasy team. Um, but but I'm gonna go with the Niners here to bounce back. It, it's it's uh, it's tough to see Gino to see Gino pulling off uh, a win twice in a row. I think it's not gonna be that simple for the Seahawks. Uh, give me the Niners here.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. I'm just not a I'm not a Trey Lance believer at all. I thought we saw what you're gonna get with him. um uh, of, of course, uh, the, the weather was awful, but Justin Fields found a way. Um, I, I'm gonna. Take the Seahawks kind of begrudgingly, but I I liked what I saw out of Geno Smith. He didn't do anything flashy except for maybe his first touchdown had a little bit of flash, but he managed the game very well. Um, And the 49ers just lost Elijah Mitchell for two weeks or two months, so uh, they're already scrambling to find their backup. I guess it's going to be Jeff Wilson if they don't just straight up hand it off to Debo every play, uh, which they might have to start doing. That's how they had to win games last year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jimmy Garoppolo in this game. To be completely honest with you, uh, I'm going to take the
0: Seahawks. All right, just th- continuing the theme from the college picks from the Indies of the week, I, I like it. We had a we had a lot of agreement last week. So so like 67
2: degrees suspension. is the is the kickoff uh, uh, temperature according to the huh. ESPN site. So Interesting. Uh, ma- maybe awesome. a little bit more in Seattle's favor with a little bit of a cooler game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, to to Sunday night football now. So it seems like they give this they give us this game on Sunday night football every fucking year. Bears and yeah. Packers, but you know they one of these teams is one and zero, the other is zero and one. I I don't know if it's the teams you'd expect to be, but the Bears have the have the uh, the, the winning record. Green Bay, however, is a ten point favorite. Um, I, I like Green Bay to get right here. Um, I, I like like I mentioned, you know, they got blown out by the Saints last year in Week One. Ended up being fine until you know they didn't win the Super Bowl or anything, but they ended up being fine. Um, and I, I think I think Aaron Rodgers kind of stops messing around here and and beats the division rivalry. He he takes this rivalry seriously. We saw that last year uh, with what he yelled at the fans. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't I don't I don't see him I don't see him letting up here.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think the Packers are going to lean a little bit more on both their running backs than they did against the Vikings. I think their game plan is going to change, but they also get Alan Lazard back hopefully this week. They didn't have him, uh, in game one, which admittedly hurts them a lot because he's their only experienced receiver. Um, and the one that has the most experience with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers. So, um, if that game had gotten a little bit more out of hand against the Vikings, I probably would lean more towards the bears, but They seem to make some halftime adjustments and, and clean up some stuff live. So I'm going to go with the Packers like you.
0: All right. To Monday night and this, their ESPN and ABC are trying something different here. They're doing a double header, but two of the games will be going on. The two games will be going on concurrently for a time. 715 on ESPN is the Titans and the bills. 830 on ABC is the Vikings and the Eagles. We'll start with the AFC game, Titans and bills. And we, we just talked about how bad we thought the Titans played on Sunday. Uh, I, I certainly am not going to pick them to go into Buffalo of all places and, and win. This is going to be a big Bills win.
2: Yeah, I agree. The only thing I'm going to say, because I just wanted, I want this out in the inner webs that I said this. This is the classic Derrick Henry 200 yards, three touchdown game to win a football game that they shouldn't win. Um, he, he hates the Bills. He's made the Bills his bitch every time they've played, uh, not, no matter if they were better or worse. Um, I'm still picking the Bills. I don't know if any living, breathing human would take the Titans um, right now against this Bills team, but I don't know. I got a gut feeling. Let's revisit this particular gut feeling next week because <laughs> I, I'm just calling the Derrick Henry game. <laughs>
0: All right. This is, this is the Music City Miracle matchup too. I also propose- – for those who remember.
2: The most expensive game of the week. Uh $213 gets you into this one. Wow. For com- for comparison, to get into the Cowboys Bengals game in Jerry World, 25 bucks.
0: <laughs> Fuck the Cowboys. <laughs> Final pick of the show. Vikings at Eagles the second Monday night game. I like this matchup a lot. We could see a lot of offense here. We could see the gritty. Yeah. We could see a lot of the gritty. Oh man, uh, I hate picking Kirk Cousins, but he's historically played well against the Eagles in Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, I like the Vikings to go to two and zero here. I think that Philly defense is still starting; they still are are need a little more time before they gel.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Although strong, although AJ Brown looks like he's been playing that offense for years. He yeah. 155 yards and ten catches in his first game. Devonta Smith had zero catches. And he was, high school, he was college teammates with Jalen Hurts. Zero catches on four targets. Um, so clear, a clear favorite has emerged in the wide receiver room, and it was in his first game. Um, going to be tough for the Vikings to take that guy away. However, it's going to be tougher for the Eagles to take away uh, Jay Jettas and Dalvin Cook in my estimation. I also think we see a big, big Irv Smith game, so put him back in your lineup, Luke. That's not a bait. I, I honestly think that. Um, I'm going Vikings as well. Philly is two-point favorites in their own stadium, so basically Vegas is saying this is a pick'em.
0: Yeah, this is gonna be a great. This could be. This could be maybe after Dolphins Ravens, this could be the best game of the weekend. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the the very Agreed. last game of week two, um, and that was the very last pick of the show in the very last quarter. So uh, we'll wrap things up here as we we've got to get on with our evenings. And I want to say at the end here, happy birthday to our friend Nosser Kucheki. He, he hits the yes. big three zero uh Wednesday, September 14th. Uh, so by the time you listen to the show, Nasser will be will be turning 30. And uh we're we're all we're all 30 now. We're all on that on that that other side. So so I, I still feel kind of the same except my back hurts a little bit more. But
2: can uh, we say that this is our Steph Curry year? Like you have your Jordan year in
0: 2013. Well, well, well we could, but like we just finished our Steph Curry year because it was our 30th year on Earth. You know what I mean? Like we are thirty years old but it is our thirty first year coming up. Does that make sense? I, like I know what he, you're saying. Yeah. That's just
2: not how they use the Jordan year. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm different though. I, I I do. I get it. Like I totally get it. So I, you, I, you can do it the way you want. You can do it the way you want. I know what you, I
2: know what you're saying. That's that's something that uh, I think a lot of the old heads say. All, all of yeah. my grandparents are like the Jordan year. <laughs> you're te- you're, te- you're technically one year older than this because you were zero when you were born and lived the whole year. By the time were <laughs> yeah, I get it, Grandma, Grandpa. I'm not interested. I'm 23. That's the number I have.
1: <laughs>
2: I can't. I can't drink or smoke a year earlier. So who the hell gives a shit?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we wrap up here on the rest. Big thanks to Mike Barlow for coming on. Uh, you Absolutely. heard him in the first half, and uh, Connor Lilly once again. Big fantasy matchup this weekend. Uh, we look forward to it. And, real quick,
2: uh, yeah. real quick. Just since we had him on, I do want to plug his Twitter. Let me just make sure I have the right one.
0: With the underscores and everything, it can be a little bit can be a little yeah. bit difficult. Uh,
2: he is at sad underscore gamecock. Sad gamecock tweets at sad underscore gamecock. Follow Mike over there. Um, I, I I think that their team might live true to the name this year. There might be some sadness, uh, but. Here's to hoping that they win for Mike. I I I don't I don't know. That's not gonna happen. But
0: here's <laughs> well, hoping,
2: Luke, I don't I don't know, yeah. man. Well,
0: thanks again. Thanks again for coming on. We always appreciate when the guests come on. And if you want us to hear talk about something hear us talk about something, uh shoot us a message on Twitter, email the right hash at gmail.com. We are a show of the people and we are gonna have another show for you. Uh, coming up soon as football season chugs on. Enjoy the week three of college football, week two of the NFL. And we will talk to you next time from the master out there Studios on the right.
2: It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. It's not unusual to have fun with anyone. But when I see you hanging about with anyone,
0: it's not unusual to see me cry.